The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. I grew up on a farm in South Dakota, and uh, I look back on that and think there were some wonderful things about it. There were also some not so wonderful things about it. But I've always felt blessed to have been grounded, so to speak, so close to the earth. And especially to have appreciation for water. Uh, The part of South Dakota that we lived in is near where it starts to become arid. It's farmland, but there can be times when we go for a while without rain. And I remember many times praying for rain so that we would not lose a crop. Or praying for rain so that we would have another cutting of alfalfa to feed to the cattle. Those were wonderful times, really. But there's one moment that I remember in particular. Some of you have heard me speak of it. It was an afternoon uh, nearing uh, fall. It was harvest time. And it was uh, late in the afternoon as the sun starts to come down and everything turns these beautiful colors, especially gold. And my grandfather and I were standing on the edge of a ripe oat field. And as we looked over that oat field, the wind was blowing across it. And it was like a a sea. It was just beautiful. And I remember my grandfather saying, it's so amazing how the only thing we do is plant the seed and fertilize, and God takes care of the rest. And then we have a harvest. That was a seed in my life. He planted something in me that afternoon that I hold on to yet today. And I think it also is a reflection of his faith. He never spoke about his faith, as far as I know, for me, except that one time. But he lived his faith. And I think many farmers do live their faith. And I've often thought the reason I wouldn't have been a good farmer is because I didn't have enough faith. Because you've got to pray for that rain. And they trusted that God would provide. There's a farmer from Japan as well. His name is is Mananobu Fukukoa, 
And he's famous for what is called do-nothing farming. Now, that's something I could have gotten into. It was his unique approach to natural farming. And he was also a, a bit of a philosopher. He died only a few years ago, I think in, in the 1980s or in the 90s. Uh, once he said, farming is not about growing crops, but, this cultivation, culti but the cultivation and perfection of human beings. And then uh, it is said that he also reflected on farming this way. Each seed, he said, presented him with cosmic mystery. The seed falls to the ground to die. The sower sleeps and one day rises to see that death, transformation and resurrection has taken place in the dark. That first parable that we heard from this today's gospel is that very thing. It is about that seed that is planted and the farmer does nothing. And then it's harvest time. Well, Jesus tells that parable not as a reflection on the art and vocation of farming, but rather to draw us deeper into the understanding of the kingdom of God. In the second parable, the one about the mustard seed, the emphasis seems to be on the smallness of the seed and then how that small seed becomes such a great plant. I've wondered if those who heard that parable for the first time or heard it when it was read to them as they gathered as church, if they sensed in it the humor that perhaps Jesus was presenting, because mustard is a weed. So he was essentially saying that the kingdom of God is a weed. And once it's planted, it takes hold and it can take over everything. Now, any of you who've had experience on the farm know that mustard in a field of oats or of wheat can be a very bad thing because it chokes out the good plants. I remember we would drive along and, and uh, see the fields that other farmers had, and my grandfather would point out, now that mustard seed over there, that mustard plant, they should be taking that out. So good farmers didn't want mustard in their fields. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is something that is persistent. It is going everywhere. And it is very, very, in fact, impossible to stop. So here we see Jesus saying, this kingdom of God is like that great plant. And the kingdom of God is something that is a mystery to us. He uh, talks about the kingdom of God in a way that uh, doesn't help us really understand details about it at all. When he introduced that first parable, he says, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed. And then he goes on to tell the parable. And in the second one about the mustard seed, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? In other places, he begins it by saying, the kingdom of God is like, but never does he say, the kingdom of God is this, and then describe it. I believe that by doing that, Jesus is inviting us to enter into a mystery. It is not something that's going to be explained in detail, but rather it's something that we're going to have to struggle with, something we're going to have to question. And how does that make any sense in terms of our own lives that we lead each day? Over the past many years, I have become 
more and more convinced that we grow spiritually by the questions we ask and not by the answers we receive. It is struggling with the questions that makes the difference in our spiritual life. And when we seek easy answers and when we take them in, I believe we're trying to shortcut what is a very, very important process. So we should never underestimate the importance of the questions, the importance of those things that are not completely explained to us by Jesus, but rather for us to struggle with those questions and to see where the questions lead us. I find a great deal of hope in these two parables. I believe the first parable reminds us that we are not the ones that make it happen, but the Holy Spirit is. We are like the farmer who sows the seed, and then, in due time, there's the harvest. In your bulletin, you'll find an insert. I hope it's there. It's titled, The Creed for the Sowing of Seeds. And I particularly resonated with the one that's near the middle of the page. It reads, I believe that even the most insignificant aspects of life can be the seed of God's gifting, that deeper faith can root and mature in very ordinary soil. I've thought about the seeds that have been planted in me over the many years in this ordinary soil. And as I thought about it, a number of people and events came into my mind. One was a Sunday school teacher who, uh, using a flannel board, and if you're under 50, you don't know what a flannel board is, probably. <laughs> but she used a flannel board to tell these wonderful stories that draw, drew us into a very uh, magical place. The stories were wonderful. And then I think of a minister who was willing to listen to my questions. And I recall one time in particular, I had come across a Book of Mormon, and I was very fascinated by it, and I went to him with it, and we talked about it, and he very gently drew me back to something a bit more uh, Orthodox Christian. But he, he had such patience with me. He was willing to take the time to hear the questions that I had and to wrestle with those questions with me. And then I think of uh, a couple in San Antonio when we had a young family ourselves, and they had a family. They were struggling with various things in their life. They had their business burned to the ground, and they had no insurance. And we saw how they struggled through that particular problem in their lives and the many problems they had with their children and how they showed us it's possible to live faithfully day by day, even in the most difficult of times. But perhaps what's even more important are all of those people who planted a seed in my life that I don't remember. And perhaps at the time they did it, they didn't even know they were doing it. Those are the seeds that have taken root and over time have become a harvest of sorts. In the week ahead, I would encourage you to read through some of these aspects of a creed for the sowing of seeds. And think about the people who have been in your life who have sown a seed that has made a difference in your life. And perhaps how you have made a, dif a, life, a difference in the life of another person. 
I believe the parable of the mustard seed reminds us that God is working through the Holy Spirit, spreading the reign of God everywhere. I have said before that uh, for me, every Sunday morning is a miracle. The idea that we would come together and hear the gospel, try to understand how we might live that gospel in the week ahead, that has happened because of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit. 2,000 years ago, Jesus planted the seed of the church, and the Holy Spirit has brought all of this about, not just here, but throughout the world. The Holy Spirit will see it through. And no matter how uh, dysfunctional the church is, with all of its problems and with leaders who are dysfunctional as well. In spite of that, the Holy Spirit continues to work and to spread the gospel and to spread the kingdom of God. So uh, let us get on with that do-nothing farming. <laughs> For our work is to plant and to harvest. And let us rejoice in the wild growth of that weed that is the kingdom of God. That we might ask what is our place in it? And when should we be engaged? And how should we be engaged? So that we may be an instrument of the Holy Spirit to broaden the kingdom. Amen.